The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Inside Out with your host, Beth Green. This is James Maynard, your co-host. Today's topic Bring your knife in your cookbook, Laura Steck is back. She's back. Who? Laura Steck. Who's Laura Steck? Well, if you haven't heard her before, on our show you've missed a treat. Laura Steck is a chef, health advocate, and knowledgeable voice on climate change, all wrapped up into one. Laura first appeared on our climate panel in November, speaking about how we dramatically affect global warming through the ways we eat, shop, and grow food. She assured us that we could eat food that is at once healthier, more delicious, and better for the environment. It's a win-win. We were fascinated, so next time we invited her on by herself. And wow, we were even more impressed and enlightened. Our listeners loved her and wanted her back. She's charming, open, and amazingly knowledgeable. If you want to learn more about how to cook, shop, and grow food that is healthy, delicious, and better for the environment, stay tuned. You can ask Laura all the questions you didn't get to ask last time. So take advantage of her expertise. And now, here's Beth from the Inside Out. Hi, welcome everybody. Well, it's good to be with everybody today. And now I'm going to babble about something that's totally irrelevant, but maybe it isn't irrelevant. It's a gorgeous day in Oregon. (laughs) We're looking out, the sun is shining, we've had rain, and it just reminds me of the good old days when we had better weather. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. You know, like last last year, it was so cold. It was unbelievably cold. The snow fell and it didn't melt. Well, that, I mean, this is for our area. That's unusual. But there was no precipitation, so we didn't have any snow. So we were in drought, right? I mean, we had a little bit of snow in the beginning, but there was no snow in the mountains. It was a really dry year, so we were in drought. Oh, no, it was too cold, but no wet. Well, this year, it's raining and raining and raining, but it isn't cold. That means there's still no snow. So no matter how much it rains, we're still in drought. What can I tell you? So it's a beautiful day, and it's like, oh, my God, can't we get the weather back? (laughs) The good old days. (laughs) So anyway, of course, you see, this looked like it was irrelevant, but it's not completely irrelevant because, uh, you know, as I'm fond of saying, they say you can't change the weather, but we already have. And if we can change it for the worse, maybe, maybe, maybe we can change it for the better. So what does that have to do with Laura Steck? Well, those of you who've tuned in and heard her before have learned that, well, she told us something, I think it was on our climate panel, that was just very mind-blowing, that the guy who's driving that Humvee, it is a Humvee or a Hummer, a Hum-something, a Hummer, Hummer, right? Okay, that, uh, you know, that, that is like this polluting creature might be having a, a better, less of a carbon footprint than I am if he's a vegan and I'm driving a hybrid. Well, I think that brought the, the whole thing home. 
And so there is a lot about the weather and climate and all of that that has to do with food. But then the cool thing about Laura is she isn't just coming on and telling us what we should do to make the climate better. Not that that wouldn't be a good thing in and of itself. But also she is telling us how to eat better, how to be healthier, uh, how to eat more delicious food. And when we get her on in a minute, I'm going to have her find out from James directly in person how she has already changed our lives. Now, our phone was ringing off the hook last time. James, would you please give out the phone number and encourage people to call? Okay. Uh, Please call us with a question or a comment at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Yes, please call in. There were so many of you who wanted to ask her questions last time. Uh, I hope that you all haven't taken an after-lunch nap and that you're with <laughs> us and you're, you're ready to go. So with no further ado, I'd love to invite Laura to join us today. Hi, Laura. Hello, Beth. Hello, James. Good to hear. <laughs> oh, hello. Good to be back. Great. It is, we had so much fun on the show. You know, when you don't know somebody, you really don't know what kind of a guest they are. You don't really know what kind of a person they are. So you're you're doing the little cat dance. You know, you're sort of dancing around each other. But, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think after two exposures to each other, I feel really relaxed. I know Laura's great. And what I loved about her is how open she was about herself, too. So I really like that. So anyway, I'm going to start out with a question, James. Yes. How have you changed since Laura was on our show last time? Hmm. Oh, wow. Our diet has changed dramatically. Uh, I've really learned how to cook the way you advised with your chef background of how to cook, how to cook vegetables to bring out the sweetness in them. And nice. we've, been, we've been doing that with every dinner and, and sometimes lunch, too. Uh, and it's been fantastic. I mean, all, suddenly I'm a really good cook. <laughs> I, I get a little bit can go a long way, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, and and uh, oh, wait, wait, wait. Uh, before also, you go, yeah, go wait, 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 James. Okay. Before you get yeah, on yeah. to the end, so James has substituted burnt vegetables for <laughs> bushy vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> well, one night, one night no, we had <laughs> one night we had some green beans that were from a frozen package. Mm-hmm. After having had the the, the fresh organic green beans uh, stir fried the way you suggested, which is at medium high heat. And oh my God, the difference was night and day. The, the 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 green beans that were from the frozen package were just tasteless, just lifeless. It was amazing how dramatic the, the difference was. And then yeah. uh, the other thing that picked up we picked up on was uh, we, we started composting. And so uh, I've been regularly taking care of that and turning things over, and and we're getting ready for a spring garden. And so we're looking forward to delicious organic food right here with uh, enriched soil from the compost and doing our bit to contribute to less uh, global heating up. I I want to tell you, this is amazing. James isn't the kind of guy who changes easily. (laughs) (laughs) True. So, Laura, before the, uh, the, the, the phone lines start ringing... What would you, if you could talk about anything you wanted right now, what would it be? 
Well, I would talk about vegetables. Um, we've, we've already approached that subject, but it worked. It worked with James, so that means there's some value to it. I guess, I guess maybe we'll, we'll go from a, from a different angle. You know, there's so many different diets that people follow, and a fad right now is gluten-free. Yes. And, um, you know, I think that whatever the diet that people are on, uh, gluten-free included, the object of our diets, of eating, isn't about the flour we eat. It's not about whether we're eating flour made from wheat or flour made from rice or from, you know, or almond flour. It's not about, it's really not even about the protein. It's not about, it's not about low carbohydrate versus high carbohydrate. Um, In the end, what we all need to do is eat more vegetables. So the important thing in our diets isn't all these other you know, the, 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 the carbohydrates, the flours, the proteins, the whatever. The important thing is the vegetable, and it's been forgotten about, and that's what the future is, and that's how we can um, become healthier. That's how we can lose weight naturally, and that's really also a good um, way for the planet to uh, kind of come back into full force by using the lands to grow more plant-based foods as compared to things oriented around animals. Well, uh, could you explain, now you're talking about vegetables, that doesn't mean beans and nuts and stuff like that. You're talking about green leafy things and red things. Absolutely, yeah. yeah, anything, the things in the produce aisle, I mean, certainly the nuts and the grains and those things are part of the plate, as meat is also fine as part of the plate, as seasoning, as a side dish. But our main focus, um, we need to really think about eating more vegetables and how we season that. We might season it with nuts. We might season it with meat. We might season it with cheese. We might season it with grain. Um, but we, you know, the, the, to rethink what we're actually eating so that when we're looking at new fatty diets such as gluten-free or these types of things, to remember that all, no matter what, all of these, you know, gluten, if you're going to replace your diet with, and, and only be gluten-free, that... Um, you know, it's not about flour. In five years, they're going to tell us that, um, you know, that, that the rice flour and the barley flour and these flours are going to be bad for us as well, too. So, <laughs> so think about eating more vegetables is what to incorporate and learn some of these simple tips, such as James learned, and you can really go a long way with it. Now, why do you say that vegetables are so important? Because we need to actually eat you know, it's so funny. It's like people, a lot of, I work as a corporate wellness instructor. One of the, one of the hats I wear is I go out to Silicon Valley corporations and I teach people how to cook. Uh, companies that don't have teaching kitchens, which is basically all of them except for Google now, which does have a teaching kitchen, a uh, bring teaching me in and I come kitchen. in and I teach people how to cook. You're, you're telling, you're, you're saying that, wait, 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 you're saying that these corporations have kitchens to teach cooking at? Google does. That's the only one that I'm aware of that oh, actually has a, a designated kitchen that employees can come and take classes, which is wow. really exciting. And yes, and hopefully that will be more, we'll see more and more of that as these, you know, the problem with that is they don't let their employees go. They want their employees to constantly be on campus, which of course we're going to find out is going to be bad for creativity and bad for right. productivity, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. 
Right. But, um, you know, if they are going to be there a long time to take a cooking class or two and to try to help their employees become healthier, which is what the bottom line of HR is trying to do, if we can teach people how to cook, we can have um, healthier employees, and that's, that's important. Um, but a, a class that I often get asked to teach, in fact, I've just been asked to teach it again, is about a class about snacks. And snacks are important but one of the reasons why we're a culture and a country focused on snacks is because we're not eating enough for lunch and dinner or having that snack in between if we want to eat a smaller lunch than having like, you know, two lunches but kind of splitting what we would eat at lunch and to have a little bit in the afternoon. So instead of eating enough calories, um, we end up snacking. You know, I, I dated a man, the last, uh, the last boyfriend, God bless his soul, Bruce. He was a great test case because he, <laughs> you know, he's dating a chef. Um, he was really appreciative of the fact that he was dating a chef because he never really thought much about food, and I guess he and his, um, his last partner didn't really cook. Um, but he would eat like a bird almost at dinner. It was kind of weird. It's like I made this beautiful mm. dinner, and he would have just little bits of it, and then mm. two hours later he would start snacking on chips. Ah. And I was like, Bruce, what are you doing? You know, you should eat dinner and forget about the snack. <laughs> you know? So, so uh, you know, vegetables are important because they are what we eat. That is what we're supposed to be eating. And then we want to add in the protein and add in the grain and make sure that things are seasoned correctly. But we need to eat. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting to say that in some ways we may need to actually eat more than we do as a culture. Our food, our processed food is so highly um, refined and caloric that we don't really need to eat very much in order to... You know, I don't even necessarily say full, but because there's so much sugar and there's so much fat in these things that we could, we could eat a little bit. We could maybe not necessarily get full, but our blood sugar's full and our arteries are we're just feeling kind of bloated. Our stomach is bloated, but then we're hungry again pretty soon because we're we're not eating an actually enough of food. We're eating we're eating way too much of the wrong things and not enough of the things we should be. So that's where vegetables become very important. They are what we're supposed to be eating. They are the center of the plate. Now, how how do you know that? What's the evidence for? vegetables are the main dish. By the way, you have really impacted uh, James too because I had been complaining and complaining and complaining that we didn't have enough vegetables because I get kind of, I need to eat meat, but if I eat more than a certain amount of meat, I don't feel well. I can just feel it right away. I'm getting kind of sick. Makes me sick. And, you know, his idea, this is, I'm not blaming James because he's, that's the way he was educated and he's changing now. But it was like there was a small amount of vegetables and lots of everything else. And now, because of you, my life has changed because now he's getting into making more and more and more vegetables. Of course, that you start out with a vegetable, it looks like there's a lot of it. And by the time you finish cooking it, where did it go? So you always have to make more than you think. But what I'd like to know is what is the, what are you basing that on, Laura? Why do you say that we should be eating vegetables? Not to say that we shouldn't also uh, supplement that with various kinds of proteins and starch and so on. Why do you say that? Well, you know, the... Um, um the USDA will say that take your plate and half of it should be vegetables, a quarter of it should be protein, and a quarter of it should be grain. Um, so, you know, th- that's one way of looking at it. But I think 
our best way of figuring out maybe some of the problems we're having in the culture is why is two-thirds of the population overweight quickly moving to three-quarters of the population? Mm. And there are a lot of answers to that, including the largest, which is we're eating too much liquid sugar. So the biggest thing, if anyone out there is suffering from weight issues, is A, you know, reduce or eliminate the amount of sugar-sweetened beverages that you're drinking because basically you're just drinking a liquid bag of sugar, and that's the last thing we want to do. Um, but then, you know, you look at further than that, and I look at my own self and I think, God, you know, I didn't really eat a lot of um, uh, to drink sugar beverages. I haven't in a long time. Um, I'm 52 years old now, and up until about two years ago, I still was eating very well. I still was carrying that extra five, six pounds on my body that I really didn't want to carry, especially as I'm aging. And, of course, it's easy to start packing on pounds as you, as you age. Um, and what I did was I stopped, I basically started eating more vegetables, and, um, and I stopped thinking about um, as much about, you know, obviously I tried to cut down on sugar more, I, I definitely cut down on flour more, but I just started eating more vegetables and found that um, for my own self, not only did I lose that five pounds, but I actually felt full, and I could do it in a quick way. I could learn to season in a fast way. Um, and, it, and it had that impact on me that I've been wanting to do for so many years. Basically, I was taking in too many calories mm. um, in order for my body to kind of level out and either lose a few pounds or stay at a, a, a standing weight. I was still eating too many calories. And so I said, okay, well, well I, what I want to do is try to, you know, if I'm, if, I'm eat, if I'm eating well but I'm still eating too many calories, there needs to be some change. And where am I going to get that reduction in calories? And, and, and instead of you know, not eating, which people mm-hmm. tend to do if they think about, oh, I need to lose yeah. weight, so stop eating. You want right. to replace what you're eating and still eat. You want to eat a lot, uh, you know, feel full on vegetables, but, you know, cut down on the other stuff. Well, you know, what I'd like to do when we come back, because we're going to be going to commercial break in a minute, uh, is I would like you to give us the complete skinny on, that was not supposed to be a pun, on how do what what are the great ways you can prepare vegetables? I mean, James has gotten to the stir frying, but there's roasting of what is the seasoning trick? And you know, just really give us a primer. Those of us who want to eat more vegetables, either because uh, we'll be healthier or thinner or whatever it is that we need, uh, have more stable blood sugar, whatever. I'd like to have a quick course on vegetables. What about you, James? Yes, since we're eating quite a bit of them uh, every every day, uh, uh, I'd like to know how to make them tastier and uh, yeah, me too. Me too. Ways. This is our, our private the, guys. You can call. We, last time people couldn't get on the uh, the show because they uh, had called too late. So uh, please call in. We have the ear and the brains of Laura Steck. But if you guys <laughs> don't call. I want to know the answer to this question. So stick around. Anybody else who wants to know about how to eat healthier and how to help the climate at the same time, stick around and we're going to be right back. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Bring Beth into your world in person or via the Internet. Learn how by visiting her website, bethgreen.org. 
at the website. Sign up for her newsletter to keep abreast of her latest activities, blogs, videos, and more. Just for signing up, you'll receive a free PDF copy of Living with Reality, her 688-page volume that helps us understand ourselves in relatable terms, as well as offers a proven program to heal and co-create a better world. But there's more. Learn about Beth's four other books, both fiction and nonfiction. Check out her gorgeous music, which is heartfelt and mystical. Become acquainted with Beth and James's programs for healing and training, and discover their community, the Stream Center for the New Spirituality, which welcomes you wherever you are in the world. All this and more can be found at Beth's website, www.bethgreen.org. Again, that's bethgreen.org. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You're tuned in to Inside Out with Beth Green and co-host James Maynard. To reach us on the show, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. If you'd rather send us an email, the address is beth at bethgreen.org. Now, back to Inside Out. Hello, hello, welcome back to Inside Out. Well, I have a whole agenda for Laura to talk about vegetables, and we are going to get to that, but... We do have a couple of callers on the line. So I have promised them first priority. I hope you ask about vegetables. Our first caller is Elizabeth <laughs> from San Diego. Hi, Elizabeth. Hi. Welcome. Hi, Welcome. everybody. Hi. Hi. Thank you. Hey, um, my question, I guess, it is about vegetables, but um, I like to hike and do outdoor activities long duration. So do you have any recommendations in how I can incorporate refueling my body? Because hmm. I've been meal. taught how to, you know, that I need carbs when I'm doing that to keep up enough energy. But is it possible or is it right for me to do that with vegetables? Ah, I see. Well, you know, yeah, I mean, the the carbs are going to give you that energy. And um, that's a valuable thing and definitely something that you want if you're hiking for long periods of time and you want to, you know, get that sugar going. So don't throw those guys out. Um <laughs> Certainly, uh, there are vegetables that travel better uh, in a backpack, and I've been I've had many a year of backpacking. So, you know, great vegetables to travel with. If we're just talking, throw some raw vegetables in, and you know, maybe a dip or not. You know, carrots travel well, cucumbers travel well, snow peas are really good, and green beans are really good to just throw and throw in and eat raw. So think about the vegetables that if they were without any refrigeration, how, how well would they do? Um, and then, you know, what's really interesting is you can start combining the two. So if you are making, say, an almond date, and I'm talking about making things now because if you're going to buy bars and things that are already made, then, of course, you're at the whim of the manufacturer. But if you want to experiment with it, like incorporating some vegetables into your snacks, um, I've been making this uh, date almond bar for a client of mine. So basically it's dates that are ground up with Marcona almonds or regular almonds. Marcona almonds are the ones that from Spain that don't have their um, skins on anymore and they put a little oil and a little bit of salt on them. But you can use any kind of nut, really, or you could use a regular almonds. So say dates, almonds, coconut, just a touch of honey, and um, some dried apples. 
Um, and if you mix this all up in a blender, or, or excuse me, in a Cuisinart, you'll get a really nice bar that you can form into uh, either a ball or a bar and then take that along with you. Well, absolutely, you could grate some carrot and add that into it. You could grate some celery and add that into it, something that may not um, weep necessarily when it's fixed into a bar. So carrots are really good for that. Celery is going to be a little bit more watery, but it still works. You can even put zucchini in that. Um, so if, if there are many different snacks now, and a lot of them are out on the web. Uh, you might search under paleo snacks because paleo is kind of one of those diets that people are talking about now that are, that are sweetened with um, is very little or no sugar and using things like dates and dried fruit and to bring them, you know, coconut oil to bring them together. Well, just consider grating some vegetables and putting them in, into that. Even snow peas would be a fine thing if you diced it up fine. So you could do that kind of idea as well. But, you know, go, and of course that brings in the, the, the combination of the carbos, which are really important when you're out on the, uh, you know, trekking and you want to get the sugar and the vegetable. But yeah, there are certain vegetables that do better in a backpack and those you can absolutely bring along. And even if you just bring a, you know, always bring some kind of seasoning if you don't want to bring a hummus or some kind of baba ganoush, even just a little bit of salt, um, artisan salt is good. And um, I don't think it's going to take care of your carbo kick, but um, it will definitely <laughs> fill you up and get you farther down the road. <laughs> I love yeah. that. Because I also am looking at how would I plan a backpacking trip. You know, oh, so yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, there are definitely vegetables. Yeah, there are definitely vegetables that you can put in your pack and keep them for, you know, days gone by. Um, you know, onions travel very well. Again, cucumbers and snow peas, anything green beans, those will travel well. But in a day, two days at the most, they're going to start getting, you know, a little bit whatever. But certainly carrots will travel well. Um you know, if you're going to bring in, you know, potatoes travel well, depending on what um, kind of heating element you're going to bring in. Sweet potatoes, of course, travel very well. Um, so find those vegetables that um, don't have, the vegetables that aren't um, as moist will travel better, and then some, depending on, uh, will be even more uh, applicable depending on what kind of heat source you use. Are you going to be making a fire and cooking on the fire? Are you going to be using one of those, um, you know, stoves that heats up immediately? And um, how, if you're going to be bringing in, you know, vegetables that travel really well without refrigeration, such as, you know, parsnips and rutabagas and, again, potatoes, then you might just mm-hmm. want to eat, make sure that you have a good knife or bring even a small grater so that they cook fast because they'll take longer mm-hmm. to cook and you won't have a lot of time. That's a great idea. Thank you. Thank Absolutely. you, Elizabeth. Have fun. I, I, you know, I can't help it. You keep talking about vegetables that travel well. I, I see them getting on the train. I just saw a, a green bean with a suitcase. You know, they really travel well. By the way, before well, you know, I have very curly hair, and they used to call me broccoli head top <laughs> when I was a kid. But, uh, you know, before we get on to our next caller, I did want to just say that we haven't mentioned uh, the the issue about uh, the climate in terms of vegetables, but the, the there is uh, scientific evidence that our over-reliance on meat is definitely increasing climate change. So, uh, I want to go on to our next caller, but I just wanted to throw that in for those who may have missed some of our other shows and the next cli- the next client. The next eater and cook is Irene from Irene from Fallbrook. Hi. Hi, Hi Irene. Irene. Uh, 
Laura, I'm in my late 70s and uh, have had some cancers when I was in my 60s and chemo, and so my digestion is pretty sensitive. And for that reason, I tend to um, avoid uh, a lot of vegetables. So I'm wondering what suggestions you have for me. Mm-hmm. Well, certainly I can't know exactly what your your or issues are, but um, with just people that I've either clients of mine or people that I've, I've known who have issues, um, some people have digestive issues with vegetables if they're raw as compared to cooked. So that's one thing. You know, some vegetables and some nutrients within vegetables are brought out if they're raw. Others are actually brought out if they're cooked. And the macrobiotic in me, which is one of the philosophies and um, culinary schools I have uh, studied and attended, would say that certainly when it comes to digestion, um, you know, a cooked vegetable would, would be would be easier on the stomach. Now, with that, that might even be still some issues, depending. Um, so definitely pure, you know, soups are, are a good understanding of how I could eat more vegetables or stews, longer cooked, or a puree, um, if it's actually the idea of the fiber somehow um, making you know, a carrot and then blending it up with a blender or a Cuisinart so that the fibers are actually broken down, then you're even taking it a step farther um, to um, have that digestion happen because you're breaking down that fiber. And you don't have to just think of it as a soup. You know, maybe you'll have a vegetable puree, um, a carrot puree, for instance, and you could put that into a muffin, or or you could put that into um, you can mash you know mix that up with mashed potatoes, or you could um, put that into you can even put that into a, you know you can put it into a lettuce wrap. You could uh, uh, mix it into a lot of different things. So I guess it depends on what the digestive issue might be. But you know my first thing is to say well I'll ask you a question: Does cooked seem to have the same problem? No, cooked is better. Cooked is definitely better. Yeah, I then if you a, break uh, down the I fiber, ask... then if you, you know, then if you cut it, if you cut the fiber itself, or if you maybe even cut your vegetable pieces smaller, um, you know, a large carrot um, roasted as compared to more of a, a finely diced carrot and sautéed, you know, you might be sautéing might be your best bet where you're you've got uh, thin small pieces as compared to big chunks of vegetables that you might roast. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know, and that might make a difference too. Can I ask okay. you about that carrot puree thing? Do you puree the carrot after it's cooked? Yeah, definitely puree the carrot after it's cooked. And you know, there are different ways you if you because I'm you, like Irene, I have horrible problems with digestion. Yeah, so if you put a whole carrot in the oven and put some oil on it and some salt and roasted it at 375 for about 30 minutes. It Are would you taking to notes, up, James? But it wouldn't yeah. turn into a puree. So right. in order to get that roasted carrot, which now you've brought out that sweetness, so this, the, the, the sugar, vegetables have secrets. We talked about that the last time. Yeah. And that's yeah. the carbohydrates um, caramelizing. And in order for that carbohydrate to caramelize, it needs a temperature of 330 degrees Fahrenheit or higher. So it's always nice to roast a vegetable because it does bring out sweetness. But if you roasted that carrot at 375, because a little higher heat brings it even better, it wouldn't turn into a puree. Then um, you would have to you know, mix it up in a blender or a Cuisinart or mash it up yourself. And depending on the state of your carrot, uh, you <laughs> might want to add um, a little liquid to help it become uh, a puree. 
Uh, you don't want to add a lot of liquid because you're going to end up with a soup or you might end up with kind of just a very watery carrot. So it's that fine balance between um, adding enough liquid so that it would actually become a puree, but not adding so much so that it doesn't take away its carrotness. And that's just a, a balance of finding that out. You can do the same thing with uh, taking the carrot instead of roasting it. You could just saute it in a pot and then add a little bit of moisture stock or water or even wine or maybe even some apple juice to help cook it. And it would sooner or later turn into a paste. But if you wanted to heist, um, speed up that process, you could either um, cook it to a certain point and then again puree it or cook it to a certain point and then take a potato masher and mash it. And so uh, you cook it, you puree it, and then you eat it. You don't have to cook it anymore after it's pureed. Yeah, you could, I, you, you could just eat the pureed vegetable and, and you know, do that. Any, any root vegetable would really lend itself nice to a puree. So um, any type of parsnip or rutabaga or... Um, again, carrot or sweet potato, all these guys break down into a really nice puree. Um, uh, the greens are a little bit different, but, um, hmm. you know, they can I was going to ask you about that. Well, let's thank uh, Irene and go on to our next caller, but I'd like to know what is the secret of making greens more digestible, too. But first, we have Helen from California. Welcome, Helen. Hi. I wanted to ask you about if we're supposed to eat a lot of vegetables how would you recommend eating vegetables at breakfast? Ah, that's funny. That was a question once. I'm a student of the Culinary Institute of America, which is a, um, uh, it's a, the premier culinary school in the country. And they brought in, there was this one assignment or one uh, thing that I went to once, this one um, conference about um, bringing in more vegetables into the fast food world. So they had, I think, the chef, the executive chef from McDonald's which was interesting, <laughs> um, talk about what he would do to bring in more vegetables into McDonald's. Well, I didn't even know there was an executive chef at McDonald's, but there is. And um, I don't even remember what they did. But I remember trying to think, what would they do? So, um, you know, the first thing is, uh, for me, the way that I eat more vegetables is I usually have my, my, my vegetables that I think are breakfast. And I don't know, I'd be interested to think what people think about this. I mean, you know, peppers zucchinis, and onions. To me, just totally fit well in any kind of egg dish that I might do. So if I'm just doing a quick scrambled egg, which is the way I like it, I will saute up peppers, zucchinis, and onions. Maybe I'll add some carrots or whatever, but peppers, zucchinis, and onions just seem to mean breakfast to me. (laughs) And, you know, sometimes I might put them in an omelet, Sometimes after I saute them, I'll just put them on the side and, you know, then scrabble my eggs and then eat the two of them together. And I really like that combination. I, I, so I, I, I definitely just make a saute, um, but they seem to fit really well with eggs. So that's one thing. Um, certainly, you know, then you look at any kind of a quiche or frittata, and you can just cram those things with vegetables. In fact, you can put more vegetables in than you currently do and just have the egg to kind of keep the vegetables together. So instead of eating a lot of egg, you know, fill up your 8 by 8 square pan with vegetables and mix an egg or two uh, with a little bit of, you know, fat, whether it be milk or butter. Um, you, if, you, if you add a little fat to your eggs, the proteins um, on the eggs just kind of come together better. It makes a better egg. That's the, some of the science of, of cooking eggs. Anyway, so, you know, for an 8 by 8 pan, put an egg, maybe two, and then add a little fat to that, and then put that in with the vegetables, and you'll actually have kind of like this, you know, vegetable 
pie that has some <laughs> eggs in it. Um, or you could do the standard thing that everyone knows is you make a frittata. So like with an 8x8 eight eight pan, you may use 3 to 6 eggs and some milk and cheese and things like that, and then it becomes a frittata or a quiche. So um, bump up the vegetables, cut down the egg, or keep the egg the same either way. Bump up the vegetables, that's a good way to do it. Um, you know, then it comes down to things like oatmeal and uh, grains. And, you know, we, we have a long way to go in understanding this. My next book is going to be about vegetables. We'll have a chapter on, on vegetables at breakfast. But in, in, the, in Eastern culture, breakfast is not a sweet meal. Breakfast is a savory meal. And uh, say, for instance, in Singapore or I'm going to China a couple months, I'm sure I'm going to say this, see the same thing. There's a lot of miso soups that are eaten. And in Japan, there's a lot of porridge that's eaten. Um, but instead of putting sugar, brown sugar, or uh, dried fruit on it, um, at, at the macrobiotic school where we trained, which was Japanese, we would add gamasio, which is toasted sesame seeds and sea salt. You would add a, a salt, a, a salt, and a fat in this form of nuts or seeds onto your oatmeal or your quinoa breakfast, your quinoa porridge or your barley porridge or whatever kind of porridge you might be making. Oatmeal is the most common and maybe grits. So I encourage people to think about if you ate a cereal that wasn't sweet and you started to season it with some you know, fat, which is nice from nuts, with a little bit of salt, and of course you adjust the salt, then um, not only can you sprinkle that on, you can sprinkle on like finely cut you know, carrots, a finely cut zucchini again, um, any kind of small. I, for breakfast, I lean more to the sweet than the kales and the, and the green beans because those just seem much more like afternoon and evening vegetables. But the sweeter vegetables, the, the sweet potatoes, the root vegetables, like we were talking about, carrots is a basic one. We could sprinkle a little bit of that on, and all of a sudden we have oatmeal with a little bit of seed or nut in the form of sesame seeds or pumpkin seeds or um, you know almonds or whatever that have a little salt on it. You adjust the salt accordingly. In uh, macrobiotics or in Japanese, they call it gamasio. You can actually buy gamasio. And then you can start put, sprinkling on some of the more sweeter vegetables. So, you know, there's another idea, looking at our, our cereal, not necessarily as a sweet thing, but as a savory thing. And then that opens up a whole new world for us. Mm. By the way, does coconut milk, uh, does that, is that like a, a fat? A coconut milk is a fat. Yeah. Um, certainly coconut is one of the new favorite, um, you know, favorite children out there. Yeah. Um, and also, you, you know, the same thing yeah. with really, I'm thinking like, you know, and this may be pushing it and you're, um, you know, but with pancakes and with um, a French toast, you know, all these things are thought to be sweet. But we mm-hmm. could... We could go kind of the sweet, instead of putting maple syrup on it, and this is taking it to somebody who's already open for a little bit of, of, of newness, but, you know, you can make a lovely a, a puree. Uh, you can pressure cook um, carrots or sweet potatoes. Um, you can uh, roast a, a winter squash whole so that once it's cooked, it kind of falls apart in its own puree. And then, you, you know, instead of topping your, um, your pancakes with a load of maple syrup, Maybe you put a little bit on, maybe you put none on, but instead you put one of these roasted, pureed um, 
uh, sweet potatoes or kabocha squashes or carrots, and that becomes the topping for your um, for your pancakes or for your um, uh, French toast. So um, may not necessarily be salty, but utilizing some of these sweeter vegetables. You know, it's so funny you mentioned that. I was in Brazil about 40 years ago, <laughs> and uh, I was in the Northeast, and they, uh, what they had for breakfast every day was root vegetables. I mean, that's what you ate for breakfast. So we are about to go into commercial break. We have another caller, and we can open ourselves up to more. But after this caller, I want to know more about how to season, cook, make veggies delicious. Uh, but you can interrupt by calling. So if you really insist, call in with a question. We have one caller that we're going to ask to keep on holding until we come back from break. So don't go away because there's lots more. Bring Beth into your world in person or via the Internet. Learn how by visiting her website, bethgreen.org. At the website, sign up for her newsletter to keep abreast of her latest activities, blogs, videos, and more. Just for signing up, you'll receive a free PDF copy of Living with Reality, her 688-page volume that helps us understand ourselves in relatable terms, as well as offers a proven program to heal and co-create a better world. But there's more. Learn about Beth's four other books, both fiction and nonfiction. Check out her gorgeous music, which is heartfelt and mystical. Become acquainted with Beth and James's programs for healing and training and discover their community, the Stream Center for the New Spirituality, which welcomes you wherever you are in the world. All this and more can be found at Beth's website, www.bethgreen.org. Again, that's bethgreen.org. The 7th Wave Channel on The Voice America Network. tuned in to Inside Out with Beth Green and co-host James Maynard. To reach us on the show, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. If you'd rather send us an email, the address is beth at bethgreen.org. Now, back to Inside Out. Hi, welcome back to Inside Out. We are interviewing Laura Steck, www.laurasteck.com, L-A-U-R-A-S-T-E-C.com. Correct, Laura? Yes, yes, correct. Okay, and she's written a book called uh, Cool Cuisine, Taking a Bite Out of uh, Global Warming, and Mm -hmm. so she's really got that nailed, but everybody wants to talk to her about cooking, because she's also a chef and a health advocate, and I think that's just wonderful, and she's already changed our lives. And now we have Tracy from Phoenix. Welcome, Tracy. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. I'm, um, I wanted to share. I do have a question about vegetables, Beth, so you'll be happy about that. Oh, good. I'm very but happy. First, I just wanted to tell you both that I listened to the podcast um, of the last show, and ever since then, my husband and two-year-old and I have been eating dinner together every night, and it's been so... Uh, such a connecting experience, and we've focused on vegetables. And so I just wanted to let you know first how much we've been impacted by your show. And just oh, thank you for Right that. on. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you so much, Tracy. And now what's your question for Laura? Oh, 
Okay, my question is, so we have started cooking vegetables at a hot temperature, and we've gotten really good with broccoli, but we tried the same thing with green beans, and for some reason it didn't come out sweet. They were very, like, blackened, but so my question is, is, does that work with all different vegetables? Are there certain vegetables that you would recommend cooking at that high temperature and others, you know, cooking in different ways? You know, what Mm -hmm. would be kind of your next piece of advice for that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, um, vegetables um, have carbohydrates, and the reason why they sweeten is because the carbohydrates are actually browning, and that's just this chemical process of, of caramelization that uh, occurs, and, and the starches become um, sweeter. Um, the more sweet the vegetable is already, I guess we would say would have more carbohydrates. I, I would assume, I, I'm not a scientist, but that would make sense. That, you know, Why is carrots and corn sweeter than green beans? I would assume it has more carbohydrates, so probably in the process of, you know, using a high heat, it would become sweeter because there's more already, but if there's a scientist out there, that'd be great for them to to support me on that comment. So, you know, with the green bean, you certainly can um, just throw a green bean in an oven and roast it. But, you know, I agree. I find that they kind of shrivel up. It's not necessarily the best uh, way, maybe, you know, sautéing. Usually, if I'm cooking green beans, I will blanch them first, and then I will either, you know, sauté them, finish them up on the sauté or in the oven to kind of give them that first... Basically, when you when you when you blanch something, which is putting uh, your vegetables into a pot of boiling water for approximately 15 seconds, you know, maybe maybe a little bit more, maybe a little less, depending. Um, and what it does is it busts through a cell wall so that the cooking process can be quickened um, because that first cell wall has already been um, penetrated, or affected. Um, wow! And, and if you you know. If you don't, you can, you can, you can caramelize any vegetable. Uh, you can roast any vegetable. But there are vegetables that lend themselves better to roasting, and there are vegetables that lend themselves better to sautéing. And often it is these winter root vegetables, the vegetable, or I would say the vegetables that take longer to cook, often uh, lend themselves to a roast situation. Now, I'm going to try to make a point really quickly. It's so beautiful what Mother Nature does. In the wintertime, Mother Nature gives us these root vegetables that actually take longer to cook. Um, The carrots, the rutabagas, the parsnips, the sweet potatoes like we've been talking about. In the spring and the summer, Mother Nature gives us vegetables that don't take that long to cook. More of the lettuces, um, the peas, the beans, the tomatoes, the peppers, they're faster cooking vegetables. And the faster cooking vegetables often lend themselves to a faster cooking technique, which would be like a saute and or even a quick blanch maybe. Um, and then the longer vegetables, really cooking vegetables, really lend themselves nicely to a roast. And not only is Mother Nature like giving us a reason to just cook a little longer because it's cold outside and we need, you know, we could turn the oven on and there's heat there. The, macrobiot- the macrobiotics will talk about how 
in the winter as compared to the summer, we actually need more energy in our food. We need that heat, not only to warm us, but because there's this energy that transfers into this heat energy that transfers into the vegetables. No kidding. I think that's a beautiful idea. And I would encourage you to think about the vegetables that really lend themselves well to that roasting or vegetables that often take a little bit longer to cook and they're the harder vegetables and uh, maybe practice with that as a way to kind of explore new, uh, new ways and which ways to cook. So where would you put green beans? As well, roasting green beans are or a summer vegetable. You know, you can eat green beans raw. Uh, most people yeah. don't eat green beans raw, but you can, and they cook yeah. really quickly. So, okay. um, you know, sautéing them, or if you want to roast them to give them that caramelization. Um, again, what I often will do is blanch them quickly, and then we know from the last uh, show that we did. So I don't want to say it for very long, but. Um, in culinary school, they taught us to keep water as far away from vegetables as possible. Why? Because water boils at 212 degrees Fahrenheit. Caramelization occurs at 330 degrees Fahrenheit. So you may cook a vegetable through, but you won't get that caramelization, which means you won't turn that green bean sweet. So if I were to only blanch, I would get it crisp, tender, or sometimes I might overcook it and it would be mushy. But what I wouldn't do is I wouldn't bring out that sweetness. So if you want to kind of combine the two, you can always throw something, you know, blanch to make it go quick um, to kind of bust it up for a cell wall. And then if you and then put it in the oven and roast it for like 375, but for a lot shorter period of time because you've already cooked through that first cell wall, which means you'll dry off that water from the blanching. You'll start a little bit of process of caramelization, and you won't completely dry out your green bean, which is what the caller was probably referring to and the issue that she had. Mm-hmm. So uh, just one more quick. We have another caller, but I have a, a, just a follow-up question. What other vegetables can you puree other than uh, carrots and yams and well I guess you don't even need to puree yams what what other kinds of vegetables can you puree well you know you Would can you... make a great um parsnips is another thing parsnips if you puree a parsnip wow and especially if you get parsnips from a farmer's market or a place where they're fresh not a place where they've been sitting on a shelf for months because nobody knows how to use them so yeah. you know, things with rutabagas turn turnips too you can eat, eat turnips will turn into a nice puree as well um, the thing about these rutabaga, parsnip, turnip, um, even celery root, which also purees well, the, uh, m- if you buy them from a Safeway or whatever, um, most people don't buy them, so the turnover is, is, is long, which means these vegetables have been sitting on that shelf for a while, and because they last, they won't take them off the shelf, and they may even still be firm, but because they've been sitting there so long, the carbohydrates are turning into starches, and they're lo- they're just becoming they're losing their sweetness, and um, so that's why it's always good to buy those vegetables in season, which is basically now we're starting to walk out of the we're going to start walking into the asparagus and the artichoke and the pea season, but we're still in that winter root vegetable season. And definitely to buy them from a source that you know that people will buy them fresh. So those, yeah. I would say, for sure. Cauliflower is amazing. It's a wonderful puree. Um, <sighs> if you roast a cauliflower, oh, my gosh, you know, cauliflower is kind of the new hip vegetable in the hot restaurant scenes, the ones that are really t- taking on the idea. 
all you need to do is put your cauliflower, um, slice it up into one-inch slices, um, put it on the pan, you know, same way with a little bit of olive oil and salt and roast it at 375, and wow, it becomes such a great vegetable. And then, same thing, you could add a little stock to it, um, mash it, you, you know, you can even mash it with a potato masher, and that will mash up really well. Yeah, I, um, let's try more puree. This is good for the bad digestion people. Oh, my God, we have four minutes to the close. We have another caller, Todd. You've got, well, I you've love got this. Two. I love it. I don't, uh, I don't have much to say other than I cook green beans. I wanted to share my green bean idea, and then I wanted to ask you quickly about kohlrabi because I've just started using it and, and mm. shredding it and making pancakes with it, and they're awesome. It's just simple. Oh, it's like cool. almond. Almond meal and uh, binding it with a little bit of like a light oil, like a grapeseed oil. It's so right good. On. <laughs> so um, I wondered if you had other uh, kohlrabi recipes. And then, well, uh, kohlrabi is another good one that goes into a, a puree. It will go into a, um, it will make a nice creamy kind of, um, you know, especially if you were to pressure cook it. Um, yeah. it. You can really mash these things up well. So a pressure cooker, if you're looking for purees, that's a good thing to research, Beth, is um, pressure cooking. You can cook, you know, squash or kohlrabi or cauliflower, any of these things, like in about five minutes in a pressure cooker, and then make you, they will, with just a little bit of water, and then you can mash them, and they'll be great. Um, greens, too. You know, you, uh, we can think about it from a spinach perspective. We know we can get spinach puree. Well, we can get cauliflower, I mean, we can get kale puree. We can get um, mustard green puree puree. It's going to be um, a little bit more on the bitter end, which means that's a flavor, uh, one of the taste sensations that we're not really that used to in this culture. Um, But it's, you know, getting used to it is just tasting things over and over again. And all of a sudden, you know, once we try it a couple of times, 13, in fact, is what they say that we actually can, you know, get used to something. So um, kohlrabi is great for that. Definitely kohlrabi, um, just uh, sliced thinly, making small julienne and tossing it into any salad or making a salad itself with just olive oil and uh, lemon, um, maybe a few herbs. It's a delicious vegetable, eating it raw, you know, or you can saute it into any kind of uh, stir fry. Use it like... um, I can't believe it, Laura. We are out of time. Uh, and I have a question about composting, wow. which we didn't get to. Like, should we add horse manure? I don't know what to say. We're always running out of time with you. We've got to hurry up because we've got to tell people what's happening next week. But hang around so I can say goodbye to you. I'm sorry we didn't get to the horse manure today for the composting. We didn't get to the horse manure, but I will answer your question. On my website, laurasteck.com, is a thing. Look for, look, go to the blog and look for easy seasoning handout. Beth, I'm going to send it to you. That's one of the best ways at this point that I can sum up make seasoning vegetables quickly. So go onto my website, look for easy seasoning handout, and Beth, I'll send it to you. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Everybody do that. Go to laurasdeck.com. You know, James is the cook because I'm disabled. So, uh, oh, my God, we've got one minute. James, what are we doing next week? Okay, the next week's topic is God real and can she help? Inside Out host Beth Green is going to talk about her understanding of God and how God helps whether or not he, she, it exists. She's been working with uh, Divine Guidance for over 35 years, and uh, she brings it to bear in the, in the shows, and she'll be there to ask, answer your questions and talk about experiences. That, I'm very impressed, James. That was so fast. So should you add horse manure to compost, and then I'll say goodbye to Laura? Yes, yes, Oh, my yes. gosh. You know, I can't answer that question, uh, okay. but composting of our vegetables is something we all want to do. We want to season our soil with uh, leftover peels and scraps, 
And if you're going to add actually manure to it, um, there's got to be some kind of a, of a balance, and, and you need a gardener, a master composter, to tell, to tell you that balance. Fantastic. We got that question in. Laura, I <laughs> love you. I get, you know, our callers love you, and my stomach loves you. Oh, uh, let's change the world with great tasting food, everyone. Together yes, we can make a great indeed. meal and a great difference. Thank you, you so much. It was such a pleasure having you. See you again. See you again. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you for making us a part of your week. Listen for the next edition of Inside Out with Beth Green and James Maynard next Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Have a great week.